following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, there are some texts that almost don't need a preacher, and that was probably one of them. We all love winning. All of us. Victory, it's what dreams are made of. It's what movies are made of. Uh, victory, it kind of just speaks to us on a, on a personal level, all of us. None of us, don't you dare tell them, you, none of us love defeat. We love victory. In fact, I saw this in myself. I was thinking about this earlier this week. From a very young age. See, when I was a, when I was a young child, I didn't love bedtime which is really hard to believe because I do love it now. I really love it now. But back then, I hated it. I hated bedtime. And um, my parents found a trick that, that seemed to work on me, and they would use my love for victory to get me to bed. So what they would do is, is every evening, my dad would race me to bed. He would race me, and, and this was serious, or so I, I believed it to be. And if I won... I was content enough in my little, my little soul to go to bed. But if on the off chance I ever lost, we would do it again and do it again and, and we would race again until at last I had victory. And what my parents were doing is they, they realized that the joy of victory was enough to overcome my hatred of bedtime. And so they used it to their advantage. Victory drives us, even the, the little ones to bedtime, it drives us. Victory moves us. We love victory. And it's not just us competitive people, although we do have it worse, but it's in all of us. And listen, I believe that this is one of the reasons why the thought of death is so heavy for us to consider. So, like, if we were just to stop and think about our own death, the reality of our own death, it is, it's heavy because in so many ways it feels like a defeat. And some of you are thinking, well, thank you, pastor, for depressing us on Easter morning. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is not going to be a message of defeat. This morning, I want to talk about victory. I want to talk about the victor. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And in, while you're doing that, if you're here and you didn't bring your Bible, we'd love to let you borrow one. There should be one right around you. It's a hardback black one. Just grab that one. Love for you to use that. If you're here and you don't own a Bible, I really mean this. We'd love to give you one. We'd love to give you that one. No strings attached. Just grab it, take it with you. It's our privilege as a church to be able to, to serve you in this way. Uh, and listen, also while you're getting there, I want to invite you to join us next week. Uh, we are finishing our time together this week in 1 Corinthians, and next week we get the joy of starting into the book of Genesis. What an incredible book, Genesis. It's, it's our story. It's the story begins here in this book. And so next week I invite you to come ready. We're going to jump into the book of Genesis together. Looking forward to that. But for now, as we get to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, 
You're going to notice something with me if you just look at your page and kind of survey the page. You're going to notice that this chapter deals a lot with resurrection. It deals a lot. Uh, Paul puts this in front of us, this great hope that, that Jesus Christ came, he died, and he rose from the, gra- from the grave. And he, Paul puts this before us that this was a real resurrection, one that had a body. It was physical that Jesus Christ rose says our God is not dead. As we read this chapter, we've talked about this. Our Jesus is not dead. He's alive. And not only was that fact predicted for us in Scripture, but we stand on the fact that that fact has also been validated by history by hundreds of eyewitnesses who have shared this story. And Paul puts this before us that everything hinges on this. Paul is really clear that without this, without what we stand on together here this morning as we think about Easter, without this, Paul says we are to be pitied and our faith and our preaching is in vain. It's in vain. But we know that Jesus lives. And we know that because he lives, we live. We know that our Savior resurrected resurrected as the first of what is to come, we know that death is not the end. It was not the end for Jesus, and it will not be the end for us. That's what we've looked at in 1 Corinthians 15 up to this point. And now Paul is going to continue, and he's going to help us try to wrap our minds around what he calls the great mystery. So let me, um, let's look together. Let's start in verse 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If we stop here, this is a reference to the fact that Jesus is coming back. And and just as he went up, church, as sure as he went up after his resurrection, he is coming down. And he will return, and those who are alive at the time and those who are dead will be changed, will be resurrected, will be transformed. And so then Paul describes this in verse 52. Look, look here with me. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. This is our resurrection hope. And then in verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, And the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. In other words, when that happens, at that time, it is then when all that is written will come true. And here's what Paul puts before us. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? I told you that this morning is going to be a message about victory. And I want us to think about victory. The first thing that I want us to see here, the first thing we must understand, if we're going to understand the victory that we have, is the very simple idea that victory implies and has an adversary. Victory implies that there is victory over fill in the blank. Victory has an adversary in every case, in every context, whether it be war, sport, or life, Some of you are thinking of other things. Solitaire. Even you're playing yourself, right? 
There's a loser there, and there's a winner there. Victory has an adversary. No adversary, no victory. Victory has an adversary, which directs us to one of the most fundamental misunderstandings that I believe we have as Christians. I want you to listen with me here. I want you to follow with me here because it boils down to a mindset, a mentality problem. It boils down to this. What kind of mindset do you have in your life? Is it more like a cruise ship or a battleship? Is the mindset that you bring to your life more like a cruise ship or is it more like a battleship? Because hear me, other than the simple fact that both of these, in both of these cases you're on a boat in the water, these are very different things. Very different things. There are very few similarities between a cruise ship at peace and a battleship at war. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about the mentality that you step onto a cruise ship with. What are you looking for? What are your expectations? Well, you want comfortable, uh, a comfortable bed, comfortable room, a nice pool, good all-inclusive food. My favorite thing about cruises, good all-inclusive, favorite part about it, food, right? Um, entertainment. You step onto a cruise ship expecting relaxation. You, you expect good company, leisure, rest, recreation, low stress levels. I remember when we went on our cruise, my phone didn't work. I just turned that thing off and left it. That's awesome. Like, that's worth the price, it was so good. You expect that. You expect low stress levels. This is what you walk into a cruise expecting. But I want you to contrast that because that's not exactly the case for a battleship. I mean, you might go onto a battleship expecting a luxurious room. You will be disappointed. I've seen them. Some of you can attest to this. Uh, you will be disappointed. You we'll notice quickly that the entertainment's lousy. Um, there's not even a pull on that thing, right? You're going to notice this, right? But what are you looking for? As you step onto a battleship with a battleship mentality, what are you looking for? Well, you're more, more concerned about the mission ahead. You're more concerned about its weaponry, its defensive capabilities. That's important. You are concerned about the role that you play in the victory that has been put before you, the mission that has been put before you. Camaraderie. You're concerned about duty and progress. And now, it's not to say that every moment on a battleship is miserable or terrible. Um, there's rich camaraderie that happens on that boat. It's just a different kind of joy. It's a different kind of joy to life on that boat. The fact remains that that boat is still a battleship. And so let me ask you, as I put those two things before you, think about your life and which one is more similar or, or better describes the way you think about your life. A cruise ship or a battleship. And I want to push this further. Because listen, the mentality that you have, whether it be cruise ship or battleship, greatly impacts the feeling that you have docking. Follow with me here. 
Let's drive this analogy deeper. There is a different feeling when your journey comes to an end on each of these ships. For a cruise, sure, you're probably ready to get home. Some of these things are way too long. I get that. But when you get to that dock, you think, well, my vacation's coming to an end. And you think, well, I saved up, we did it, it's over now, and now life happens, and now my phone works, and now the food isn't all-inclusive, and now I'm back. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm back. The stresses that I left to get on this ship are now so generously waiting for me as I get back to the dock. See, that dock represents your vacation coming to an end. That's, that's what Galveston represented for us. Our vacation coming to an end. Thinking, well, maybe we'll do it again next year, but church, would you compare that for a moment to the feeling that you would get on a battleship that is coming home? Coming home from that battle. Can, as that ship docks and the battle is won. Now that feeling is almost indescribable. A feeling of being home. A feeling of embracing the ones that you love. This feeling of the war being over. This feeling of rest. Feeling of victory. The dock means something completely different depending on your mentality that you carry in this life. Church, if we live our lives as though we exist for our leisure and our pleasure, if we organize our lives around ourselves, if we place our lives, if we think about our lives as though we are on this grand cruise ship, if this is the way we think about our lives, is there any wonder why we never seem to think about enemies? And the language of Scripture that talks about us being in a war and spiritual warfare, why does, why, is there any wonder why those Scriptures seem they just seem foreign. Is there any wonder why the idea of adversaries sounds a little bit like crazy talk? Like, sure, we have an adversary. Is there, is there any wonder why, why it sounds like hyper-spiritual talk to talk about the fact that we have an adversary? Is there any wonder why we don't often think about the mission that we have in our life? And why scriptures that reveal to us our purpose and our mission, why those seem inconvenient. Is there any wonder? And church, let me push this further. Is there any wonder why we dread the dock when this ride comes to an end? Is there any wonder? I've heard a common message in the church, especially over the last several years, that I believe needs to stop. It's this idea that as Christians, we should be living the best life ever right now. Like, we should be living it right now. Church, this has got to stop, because if your best life is now, if this is it, 
If this is it, is there any wonder why we fear and why we dread death? Because death is nothing more than ending your best life. It's nothing more than saying goodbye to that wonderful cruise ship. It's got, it's got to stop because just a spoiler, spoiler alert here. Coming to Jesus does not mean that your life is sunshine and lollipops today. It's not that coming to Jesus means that this is the best it's going to be. It's going to be incredible. That's not it. When you read scripture, here's what you get when you come to Jesus. You get Jesus. You get Jesus now, and you get Jesus forever. You get the promise of him in your life and him through you now, and you get the promise that the best is yet to come. That's the promise. If we fully understood our life as scripture talks about it, that we are in a battle. That this is not the end. If we understood that and we had this battleship mentality, then we would see that moment. That, that moment when our ship comes in, settles into that dock, we would see that moment in a very different way. In a very different light. See, we, we would miss the camaraderie we had on that ship. We would miss some of those things that we experienced on that on that boat but now we are home but now victory is here now victory is here here's why this is so important to understand we talk about Easter we celebrate victory but we are never going to understand victory if we don't understand first that we are in a war and we're never going to understand victory until at we first understand that we have very real enemies we're not going to understand this it's going to be lost language it, it it would be like me getting on a cruise ship and walking over to the pool with people surrounding it, enjoying their time, and just trying to t convince them that life's going to be better when we get home. That's nonsense. They would look at me and ask me to leave if I did that. But if we don't understand what we are and who we are, then the idea of docking at the end of this journey loses the victory. Instead, I get the great privilege of saying, yes, you are at war. Yes, your enemy is real. Yes, as Scripture says, in this world you will have troubles. Yes, and then I also get the great privilege of saying, yes, you will have victory in this war. Yes, your enemy will be defeated. Yes, take heart because your Savior has overcome the beauty of the gospel is that I get to say, guys, we are on a battleship together as brothers and sisters, but the gospel says we are coming home. We're not going to be lost out here. We're going to work hard out here together as brothers and sisters on mission for the Lord, knowing that we will come home and we will stand on the shore in complete victory Victory has an adversary, and on that day, we will look our adversary in the eye and say this, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? He's taunting death, by the way. Oh, death, where is your sting? 
we stand on the shore and taunt death. It's the hope of the gospel. What a day that will be. And then listen to verse 56. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. In other words, the wages of sin is death. This is our battle. This is our struggle because we all sin. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. This is our struggle. This is our battle. And honestly, I don't really need to convince you of that. You're a good point-in-case example of it. Because not only does Scripture tell you loud and clear this, your life tells you loud and clear that this is the truth. This is our battle. You know this to be true because you know you. We have an enemy. You have an enemy. You war against Satan who seeks nothing less than to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We are in a spiritual battle. We war against, you war against your own flesh. You war against sin daily, moment by moment. Hear me, this is not peacetime, not yet. This is not peacetime. Our chief concern is not for our pleasure or our comfort. It is not for our entertainment. In fact, you, do you know what we would call a soldier who enlists in, to serve under the assumption that he's going to vacation? Call him a fool. Like, he's in for a wake-up call. But how often is this exactly what we do? This is why Jesus says in Luke 14, he says, count the cost. Count the cost before you follow me. He says, Luke 14, 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. <laughs> they would say, there's the person who started that building and who couldn't afford to finish it. Right? That's almost as foolish as uh, running out onto the battlefield in your swimsuit, flip-flops, and a towel in hand. Count the cost. We have an adversary. We are, in fact, in a battle. We are not in peacetime yet. That is coming. We will make it home, and we will know peace, but that's not here yet, which drives us to verse 57. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, not only does the idea of victory mean that we have a very real adversary, but church, this is huge. I need you to hear me. Victory is won for you, not won by you. Victory is given to you. It is not earned by you. I've already spoken of a really serious danger that we have in our Christian life, and that's to disregard the fact that we're in a war, to disregard the fact that we have an adversary, to think we're on a cruise ship and we're on a battleship. It, we've already talked about how this mentality will lead us to dread when we come to dock. We've talked about this. But here's another tendency that is just as destructive. And that's to think that we must earn this victory. 
that we must earn this victory for ourselves. To think that we need to be on our deathbed wondering, wondering if I have done enough good, wondering if I have won, whether or not I have lost, wondering if, man, is there some sin I don't know? To think that this victory is on us. See, the idea that that we have no adversary leads us to dread death, and the idea that victory rests on our shoulder causes us to fear death. And if that victory did rest on your shoulders, you should fear death. Can you just for a moment take this scripture in again? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, who gives us the victory, one more time, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is in the business of conquering our enemies. In this verse, in this context, who's the enemy? Well, in this verse, it's death and sin itself. See, in Christ, you have been given victory over death. In Christ, you have been given victory over sin. So church, in Christ, we do not fear death because death has been defeated. Now, I am not saying that as Christians, we should just be living our lives longing for death because that would make you a crazy person. That's not what I'm getting at. That's not what I'm asking. What I am saying, though, is when we understand that Jesus Christ has won the victory, when we understand the fact that God has given us victory through Jesus Christ, when we get that, then we're able to say with Paul in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're able to approach death like that. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To live means I get Christ, I walk with Christ, I'm on the mission that Christ has given me, and to die... Well, to die is gain because then I see Jesus face to face. Then I walk in complete victory over death and over sin. See, there is no fear. There is no dread. There is peace and joy in knowing that Jesus Christ has overcome and knowing that the victory, let me say this word again, is given. Is given to us through Jesus Christ. Not only does victory have an adversary, which we do. Victory has a victor. And that victor is Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says this beautifully. I want you to listen to this. Paul here is talking to all believers. He's looking out over the battleship, and he's talking to all his fellow soldiers on that battleship with him. That's you, that's me. And listen to what he says, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors, more than victors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The victor is Jesus Christ. He is the victor, and now through him we are made more than victors. 
made more than conquerors through him who overcome. As I said, this is a message today about victory. A message today that victory is ours through Jesus Christ. A message today that says victory has been given to us in Christ over our adversaries. That's what this is. Victory is to know that one day, the boat that we're on will come into that dock. And we will say, death is swallowed up in victory. We will say, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? And in light of that, now Paul moves us to verse 58. Listen to this. Therefore, my beloved brothers. In other words, because of all that, because all of that is true, here's what Paul sets before us. Be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, church, live your life in light of victory. Because Jesus has won, be steadfast. Because Jesus has won, be immovable. You remember what Paul was saying, that if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then all of this were to be pitied. All of this is in vain. Your faith, your belief is in vain. Well, here, look what he says. Because Jesus has one, because Jesus lives, he was resurrected, work hard in the Lord, knowing that all the work that you are doing, what does he say, is not in vain. If Jesus lives, then this is not in vain. Then all of the things, all of the ways that we serve him and we work on his mission, none of it is in vain. Christ is victorious. So that in and through every circumstance that you go through in your life, you are able to live a victorious life through Jesus Christ. That when your battleship comes to that dock, you will be victorious in death. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he came and he was victorious so that all in him, all in him can live with an eternal purpose here in this life and can die with an unshakable confidence in our eternal destination. This is the victory. This is the good news of the gospel that we will know on that day. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we will be resurrected and one day, church, I just want us to think about this. One day we will say together, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us and thank you for sending Jesus Christ. We know and believe that he came, that he lived a perfect life, that he died the death that should have been mine and that he rose. We know and we believe that Jesus was victorious. We know and we believe that we are now given victory through Jesus Christ. Lord, for, for those in this room who have never responded to the gospel, who have never considered what your word reveals, God, would you con just continue to work in our hearts?
Would you open our eyes? Would you transform us? And in this moment, would you just bring us from spiritual death, spiritual vacation mode to life? Would you make us more than conquerors through your son, Jesus Christ, giving us a new purpose in this life and giving us a new confidence in our death? God, you are good, and we are yours through Jesus Christ. God, your promises are good, and they are ours through Jesus Christ. How would you continue to work in us this morning? In the name of Jesus, amen.